Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Well, that's, I don't see you, but good morning to our online family, Princeton family. For those of you who might have Shaw and not tell us, and you actually have internet today, I know there's been a little bit of an internet problem going on in the town of Princeton. Uh, for those, maybe you're watching it live right now, uh, or maybe you're watching it later, um, we're praying for you. Can we actually take a minute and just pray for our, our church family in Princeton? Um, you know, I, got, I just woke up and just heard like, hey, they might not be able, not only can they not meet in the building because it's gutted and being repaired that even online right now with internet that it's just yeah I, I just been stirred more and more to believe that God is positioning our church for people in the city of Princeton who don't yet know him that there's unique opportunities that are available to the church in Princeton the church in Princeton right now that actually weren't before so Jesus we pray for the people and the families in Princeton God, we pray for generational addictions to stop in this moment, Lord, because Jesus enters the story of families. God, we pray for those who just seem at a loss. Lord, it doesn't, it doesn't look like you're going to be able to put food on the table or they don't know what's going to happen or where they're going to sleep maybe. God, I, Lord, I, I know that your word says that you're found in the brokenhearted, that all throughout the story of your word, God, you meet people in the middle of their distress, in the middle of their problems, and you show yourself faithful. So God, we don't really have any other option but to believe you and take you at your word and believe the same for the city and the people and the families in Princeton. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you missed it this week, I'm sure there'll be some recap videos. We had a great time uh, yesterday uh, going through. Yeah, come on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the Vanier 600 gifts wrapping. And, and I think the smallest, maybe the biggest miracle of the day is there's only four boxes that were missing something. If you've been there in previous years, you know that this is a Red Sea parting moment uh, in the packing of gifts. We're super excited for that. Um, and again, this Saturday, uh, we already have tons of people signed up, but you're welcome to join us as well uh, as we pack hampers uh, this next Saturday coming up. Uh, and you heard a little bit about angels. So I want to encourage you, if you're like, again, for those who've been here before, you know, hey, hamper angels, with our hampers, if you're new to Horizon Church, you're watching online, every hamper we give to a family in need, we also want to go above and beyond and just make it special for them. So we actually provide for them a gift and not just kind of like some random gift, but we actually call them and say, hey, what? What's, what, would your, what would your child love? What's something they'd really, really enjoy? Um, and I'm telling you, it's like, it's, well, it's probably like two and a half Starbuckses uh, for some of you guys with your Vente, Frappy, Extra, Smoky, Moki, whatever it is. Uh, if you go to Tim Hortons, it's about a month and a half worth of Tim Hortons. Um, but you can sponsor an angel. So I want to encourage you guys, again, at the back there, uh, Pastor Cherith is back there with the team. I think Pastor Mike's back there as well. Uh, but you can sign up for those back there. If you watch it online, you can go to horizonfam.ca for that. Anyways, we are in a series called Advent. Uh, and we've been in it for two weeks. If you missed the last two weeks, I really want to encourage you to go back, find some time in this Christmas season. Uh, Pastor Craig started two weeks ago talking about hope. And last week, the price of admission is just in, in what the, the idea that he built out that peace is a strong guard. I'm telling you, that will bless your life if it was only for that alone. So go back and watch that if you missed it. But we are in week three of our Advent tonight, or today, this morning, we are talking about hope. Or sorry, not hope, joy. Just kidding. I read it, then said it. it's one of those moments. <laughs> Pastor Craig's like, uh, nope. But before we look at this week's message, I want to take a moment and maybe just set our expectation when it comes to Advent, this Christmas season. You see, my hope is to open our eyes and raise our expectations for what is actually available to us during this season. See, we don't preach through an Advent series every December because hope, peace, joy, love are topics that are exclusively available at Christmas time. 
And so we don't forget during that Christmas, oh, we got to be hopeful, we got to be peaceful, joyful, and it's just around Christmas, and those are really important for the month of December, so we preach on it for those moments. You see, Christmas, Advent, Christmas and Advent are actually meant to act and, 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 and fill a space for us the same way that feasts and celebrations, if we read the Old Testament, actually did for the people of Israel. You see, when God brought the Exodus, the people out of Egypt, he established a feast that happened once a year, not because it was like, oh, that, that just that one month in Egypt. It was, it was in the routine of their calendar, of their lives. They were meant to pause, not only to remember the historical event which happened, which we do at Christmas, and Advent reminds us of Jesus coming, but it is meant to cause us to contemplate how that historical event is still shaping and impacting us today. Because if you've been at church long enough, you've heard quite a few Advent series. You've heard the talks on joy and peace and hope. And we can listen to the Christmas story, be like, yeah, I'm so grateful that Jesus came and that that made it possible for me to get saved. And we might look back in history to when Jesus was born. And we look back on our own personal history to when we came to Jesus and we're grateful for that. And there's some strength in that. But can I tell you that the joy we're going to talk about this morning is not just a, a distant memory of when you got saved, but it's meant to absolutely transform your July as much as it does your December. That Christmas and Advent is a time where we can stop and pause to remind ourselves of what is available to us every month of the year in every situation that because Jesus came, everything is different. I want to read this quote from Denisa Nika um, that I found that just really helped me when it comes to Advent and hopefully will position our hearts this morning. It says, Advent literally means arrival. And the theme of this season draws our attention to the coming of Christ. Not just way back in biblical times, but now in the places where we long for his presence and need his intervention. The season of Advent and Christmas is an invitation to practice the light of Christ's coming into the dark places of our soul and our lives today. Family, when we talk about the hope of Jesus... It's just not the hope that Jesus brought back then. It is an opportunity to invite that hope into the dark areas of our lives that we would rather not speak of because it's painful. When we talk about peace, when we talk about joy, Advent reminds us that available to us today is the light of Christ that brings joy in situations that otherwise is impossible. This is what it's about. And this morning, as we talk about joy, we're going to turn to a familiar passage. If you've got your Bibles and you're taking notes, or if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with it. It will be on the Sky Bible. We've got Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, it's a story uh, of some shepherds. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Again, we can read that. And think like, okay, we know the story. Like, it's dark. If you've ever been out in the wilderness and it's dark time, like, I, I'm not, I'm, I, I feel like I'm a pretty secure man. Um, but I'm afraid of the dark when you're dark in the wilderness. Like, afraid of the dark in the city is one thing. But when you can't see anything and there's no street lights, and you hear like a squirrel, like snap a twig, you think it's a grizzly bear about to maul you to death, right? Like, it, it, it's a little bit nerve-wracking. So they're probably huddled around a fire, and then all of a sudden, the lights just shine. And and like the glory of the Lord, it's like there's music playing, there's this floating angelic being in the sky. Forget a grizzly bear. I think a helicopter's coming. Like, what is happening? Like, this is not just a, oh yeah, it's a Friday. The glory of the Lord shone, and you know, the angel began to talk to him. This is old. This is, this is significant. Just so you can picture it. It says, uh, <laughs> and they were terrified, rightfully so. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, turn your neighbor, say good news. That will cause, say, great joy for all. 
That was better than I thought it was going to work. Well done. Well done. You guys are paying attention today. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And there is, this will be a sign to you that, he, that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Let's pray. Jesus. Lord, as we begin to look at a topic of joy that in many ways seems so common. God, I pray that you would breathe fresh life into our understanding of this, that we might experience the joy that comes from your coming into this world in a new way. God, a joy that is robust, a joy that is sustainable, a joy that is deep, a joy that is available in every single circumstance. God, I pray that your words would speak life into dark and dead places in my life and our life this morning. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and the reality and the consequences of your coming. Lord, I pray that we would experience that to a greater degree this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, you can write down the title today, A Different Type of Joy different type of joy. You see, this time of year, whether you follow Jesus or not, you're a church person or not, you kind of know that joy is part of it. You go through Walmart, you'll see the nice little, you know, decorations with the joy letters and the peace and the, you know, the ho-ho-ho ones and all those things that uh, I'm, I'm not the one that decorates. I, I, I admit that Katie does all of that and the world is a better place because of that. Um, but we understand that this season should bring joy. It's in our decorations. It's part of our carols. We see it on TV. And there's kind of just this understanding that like, hey, this is the season. Like, hey, we got to be kind. This is when like you hold back before you, sh- you show all your fingers when you wave while driving rather than just one, you know? Like it's Christmas. We're supposed to do it this time. Yeah, some of you, yeah, I've seen you drive. <laughs> and I'm the one that's getting waved at. I understand it because you've seen me drive. You see, we, we learn pretty early on that the reason for joy is not supposed to be gifts. Although uh, one of my love language, how I receive love is gifts. So I would debate that a little bit. But when we're young, we think there's excitement. There's this joy. We're so excited for Christmas. As long as we get what we asked for and not another sweater. Right? Yeah, no fish. No fish. No one wants fish for an advent. Oh, Lord, help me. Anyways, okay, now I have to explain it. Someone thought it was a great idea to give me an advent calendar of fish. So I'm now at 10 fish in my office. No idea what to do with them. Whoever you are, I hate you and love you all at the same time. Brilliant prank. Anyways, we understand that this time and this season is meant to be joyful. But the older we get, the more our experiences may tell us differently, that we understand that if our joy is in getting that great Christmas present, much like my mother experienced once she married my dad and realized that he is a hopeless romantic, but he's also hopeless at giving gifts, and that she realized that if her joy was ever based on his ability to know what she wanted, she would never have joy. (laughs) And we realize, okay, that's a good lesson for kids. Yeah, joy is not based on what you want, But if we're honest, our joy doesn't go a whole lot more deep than that. We understand it's not a present, but if we're honest, our joy, and one of the ways you can tell what your joy is based in is what happens when it's taken from you. We're joyful until your middle child, much like myself, ruins the family Christmas photos. (laughs) We have a great time until the in-laws say that one thing at the table and it's tense again. We're joyful as long as that person doesn't come to Christmas. Or we're really great as long as the bonus we thought would be coming. Or we're really hopeful as long as we travel or do what we wanted to. And we understand that our joy shouldn't be based on the presence that we get. But if we're honest, it's not much deeper beneath the surface that we place our joy in all the time. And if I'm honest, when we sat down to prepare for this sermon series and it kind of, based on this, we're kind of talking, Pastor, okay, well, based on that week, you'll have joy. That was the last thing I felt in that moment. <laughs> I was like, can I have like peace or like hope? Like I can get some deep theological understanding of that and, you know, preach that. But, you know, there's something about preaching is you got to learn to live it first. And if I'm honest, the last few months, 
haven't really presented a lot of options to present joy in my life. I said, God, you got you to gotta do something in my heart if I'm going to speak on joy because it's got to be real. I don't want to speak on something that's hypothetical but not lived out in my life. And So how do we find joy in the season and the culture that we live in right now? When our joy can be taken away by an announcement, when our joy can be taken away by certain people's opinions, we're not sure who we're going to offend or who we're not going to offend, or all the different things are swirling that, you know, it just seems like we're losing control, and all of the things can begin to strangle and choke out the joy that is meant to be here. The right salary or comforts, but then work changes or it doesn't hit what it was supposed to, then things are a little different, or your marriage isn't quite what it used to be and there's a struggle and a stress and family and all of those things or this is another Christmas that you wish you'd have that special someone and you don't you convince yourself that joy is found in finding that one person how do we deal with this how do we find a joy that is deeper than the surface you see the joy that we read about in Luke 2 it's a different type of joy I want to tell you there's good news that the joy of Jesus is available to you and it's much stronger than the joy that this culture or our world brings. What's this joy like? Number one, it's a joy that's always available. That's good news. You see, the culture around us, worldly joy, is available as long as whatever it's rooted in is consistent. So if my marriage is good and my joy is based on having a happy marriage, I'm joyful as long as the marriage is good. But then when it gets a little bit frustrating, there's a little bit of coldness in the air, or there's some arguments or whatever happens, my joy is gone when that is gone. If my marriage isn't doing well, my joy is not available. If my kids are behaving properly, there's joy, which most of us understand there's not a lot of joy then. Like I said, last yesterday we were doing our, our hamper gifts and I was walking with my daughter Zoe. She's kind of independent now and by independent I mean very independent. And um, so she wanted to do it all herself. So Katie and her were walking with the box and I was setting all the little gifts out and she just did it again and putting all the little toys for the kids in the boxes and, and I had to make sure I didn't grab the the the, the cat stickers because then she'd sit there and go, meow, 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 meow for 10 minutes and big lineup behind us. But we just kept going and I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, it just filled my heart. It was just such, like, just a great moment. I was just so thankful to the Lord. It's like, God, thank you for moments like this with my family. Like, what a great memory. And there was joy that was in my heart. And not five hours later, that little girl that filled me with so much joy woke up from a nap. And I get to give her a hug. And again, I'm just still overfull with joy. I'm like, so give me a hug. And she screamed and gave me the dirtiest glare she has ever given me and pushed me away and ran to mom. And she wanted nothing to do with me for the rest of the day. And my joy was robbed. <laughs> my soul was crushed as well. But I, that's the point. I'm getting prayer for that. But you see, we've in this worldly joy, we put our joy in things that are temporary and when they are gone or when they fade, our joy is no longer available. But the joy of Luke 2, I want to let you know it is always available. It's not based on your possessions because possessions can be taken, your relationships because they can be broken, your position because it can be lost, or your health because it can go, or your reputation. All of these things may come and go, but the joy of Luke 2, the good news of Jesus coming, it's always available. It's a different type of joy. And number two, this joy, it doesn't fade. Rather, it only increases if you allow it. You see, because the joy, anyone who's been married, and again, if you got a perfect marriage, come pray for me, lay your hands on me. I would love that, but I'll speak from Katie's experience with marrying me. There was probably a decent amount of joy on the day that we got married, but the further we get from our wedding day, there's more opportunities to choose joy than to feel joy most of the time because she lives with me. <laughs> or you get that gift or that new car. And you're like, man, there's just joy. It's this beautiful car until you get out of your car and you accidentally leave it and drive and it drives into your garage. And from the front of the left fender all the way past the door is a nice white stripe. And all of a sudden your joy is gone. And no, unfortunately, that wasn't Katie. It was myself. So for those of you that keep asking, please stop. It's getting me in more trouble because I haven't fixed it yet. It was me, not her. <laughs> But you see the joy, if our joy is based in temporary circumstances, if over here there's a moment of joy, 
And it's incredible. The further we get from that moment, the lesser that joy will become if it's only based in the experience of the moment. But the joy of Luke 2, we have more reason to joy today than we did yesterday because this is a different type of joy. Not only does it increase, but the joy, this joy of Luke 2, it's actually strong. The Bible says it's our strength. If you took a poll of random people in the business world, you said, you know what, what makes a strong CEO? I bet you joy didn't make the list, right? Like in our world, kind of someone who's just joyful and happy all the time, we, we kind of assume they're clueless and weak because if they were aware of anything, they wouldn't be happy. They'd be upset like me. They'd be frustrated because everything's happening. And I'm upset and this and that. How can you be happy with the state of the world and what's going on? And, and, and you're just clueless if you're unhappy, if you're, you're joyful right now right? Words would probably be wise or shrewd or persistent or dedicated or competitive or smart. These would be some of the words that we say, this is a strong person, but not this type of joy. It's different. The Bible says that this type of joy of Luke 2, it's strong. It's able to strengthen you when you're weak. It's, it's strong. This type of joy, it's different. And this type of joy, it's available to everyone. You see that, if we're not careful, that can lose its wonder the longer we understand that that was for us. I've realized that the longer I follow Jesus, the more I wrongly come to the conclusion that I deserve him. It's for everyone. Worldly joy at the superficial level, if you're in high school, whatever it is, or some of us that are out of high school that maybe, like myself, still operate under those guidelines and cultural rules, your reputation or your looks or money or likes or your physical fitness, whatever it is, your joy is there. But if you lose that, it's no longer available. If you're not popular, it's not available. That type of joy is not available. If you grew up in a poor family, that type of joy is not available. The worldly joy is superficial or genuine joy of family, of loved ones, of, of health, things that are not terrible, wrong things, or, and honestly are, are pretty, pretty deep things to have your joy in. But if you lose a family member, is joy still available to you? If you lose your health, is joy still available to you? See, the joy of the world, it's not always available. But the joy of Luke 2, I want to let you know, it is always available. How is this possible, Daniel? This type of joy that's always available, that never fades, but has the ability to continue to increase all of our lives, that is incredibly strong, and that's also available to everyone. This type of joy is a different type of joy. How is it able to perform differently? Because its source is different than anything else that this world has to offer. We need to understand that the type of joy Jesus brings is unlike the world because its source is a different source of joy than the world's. Luke 2 says the joy that is caused by this good news, the good news that the angel brought, the good news, which is we understand this side of history, the gospel. It says, I've come to proclaim good news, which will cause incredible joy. And it's for all people. The good news of Christ coming is the reason we have a joy that is strong, that is available, that can increase, that is for everyone, that is not dictated on your circumstances, your salary, the debt you're in, the family you have or don't have, or anything else that's going on. It is a deeper type of joy. It goes beyond the surface. You see, most of us in this room, we would have heard something about that before. And if we're not careful, we can skim the surface of these statements and walk out unchanged. See, my fear in preaching this message today, I was praying last night saying, God, would you help me? So my fear is that nothing in what I'm saying is revolutionary or new. On the contrary, most of us has heard this many times. And we can hear one thing proclaimed, but come to a different understanding that it means something else. How do I know that's possible? Because it happened to the shepherds. The shepherds are in this moment, and there's a little bit of the background of this moment. The Roman Empire was opposing and oppressing the Jewish people. 
They had been praying. They knew about the, the, the prophecies that one day there would be a Savior. One day there would be a Messiah. One day there would be someone who, that would be their Redeemer, that he would come. All of these things were true, but what they saw in their mind's eyes as the fulfillment of that was something very surface level. When the angel came, there was great joy, which was awesome, which was good. Awesome is going to be fantastic. But they thought there was going to be a political leader that would come to throw off the Roman Empire. Then no longer would their rights be violated. No longer would they be under oppression. But then they'd be able to be free again. And there was a little bit of joy that came with that, rightfully so. But what was available in the statement of the angel was something so much deeper than natural Israel was so much greater than a political leader or king or warrior. What was available in that moment was the king of kings, that Jesus had come. See, on this side of history, we understand that the angel was proclaiming news that was so much better than what the shepherds at first hand thought. Not a savior for natural Israel, but a savior and deliverer for all people. The angel knew that the good news of Jesus coming as a baby meant that God was making a way for humanity, for you, for me to come back into relationship with him. And I love a side note to this, but the answer to their prayers, I love this, that Jesus, the angel comes and says, hey, there's good news, something great is coming, a deliverer, and he gave him a baby. Can I tell you that the answer to your prayers sometimes will take longer than you think? I think the fact that a deliverer came in a baby, not a warrior, shows more about the character and the patience of our Lord than we think. That there was a baby that took 30 years to grow and to develop into what the angel had promised he would be. See, this good news is not just about what happened but it's about what is still happening and will one day finally happen, the salvation of all people. This is good news, and that type of news is cause for great joy. And this type of joy, it's different. It can perform differently because its source is not of this world. How can this type of joy be always available? It says the joy is based on Christ's love and acceptance of you and I, and that is something that never leaves. Paul writes, he says, rejoice always. He can say that because Jesus is always consistent, that the love of God, no matter what you're going through, is there, that nothing, the Bible says in Romans, can ever separate you from the love of God. Death, life, hell, demons, nothing can separate you because nothing can remove the source of your joy, being a relationship with Jesus. It means that your joy is always available. And hear me, family, what I'm not saying is a surface level trite, like you're going through a hard time, like, oh, nope, to be joyful and full of faith means I never cry. Do you know that this type of joy is strong enough that you can mourn and still have joy simultaneously? That is not a dichotomy in the kingdom of God. That is understanding the wholeness of our God, that he will sit and mourn with you, but you still have reason for great joy because whatever you are mourning for will not last longer than your relationship with Jesus that now yells louder, but later lasts longer, that what Jesus calls us to is reason for great joy. See, this type of joy becomes the foundational disposition of your heart. What do I mean by that? It doesn't mean you don't mourn. But when you understand that Jesus left heaven, put on flesh, suffered for you and as you on the cross, all of that to forgive me of my mess and invite me into a relationship with Jesus. That becomes what informs my emotions. It doesn't mean that I don't struggle with that, but the Bible calls us to always come back to this moment where we remember that we have an undeserved grace, a beautiful relationship with Jesus that you or I could never earn, could never develop. And because of that, we can understand that even though today might not be great, I know that my eternity is settled in Christ, that one day things will be different. So that informs me of how I am to act. A joy that doesn't fade, rather is meant to increase. This type of, of joy doesn't fade because it isn't based in things 
that are temporary. This joy is based on the good news that we can know and be known by God. This relationship is meant to grow with it. That Jesus actually says, he says, that my joy, my prayer in John, he says that my prayer is that my joy might be in them. That when they understand my words, that their joy might be complete. You know what that tells me? That the joy you experienced at first is not yet complete. That there's more that God has for me and there's more joy that God has for you. It is a process that as we grow in our understanding and relationship with Jesus, so our joy can grow in its depth and its breadth and its strength to us. This joy doesn't fade as time goes. It's actually meant to increase as our understanding of this scandalous news that the angel in Luke 2 pronounced that God would come and put on flesh for me. We're called to grow in our joy. That James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you get the gift that you want. No, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James is saying, hey, listen, there's a joy that is available. And in that joy and understanding that you are in right standing with God, that you have relationship with him, there's things in you now that are not yet complete that God intends to be complete. So in the midst of trial, I'm not happy because I'm suffering. That's weird. I'm happy because the Bible says that there are aspects of Jesus that are only to be experienced in the midst of a fire, in the midst of trial, when I don't fight, but I say, God, this sucks, but I need you in the middle of it. When you understand that he is your strong tower, that he is your redeemer, that he is your source, that there can be hope, that there can be peace, that you can actually have joy. Doesn't mean there isn't tears, family doesn't mean that you ignore the conflict. doesn't it mean that you don't take steps, but it means that your disposition can still be one of the character of Christ in the midst of things that are uncomfortable. It's a different type of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, we hear that all the time if you're in church. It actually goes back to Nehemiah chapter 8. If you're with us this spring, we did a series on rebuilding. It was the time where Israel had come out of captivity. They were back and the city was in ruins, but they finally rebuilt the temple. And They spent a day reading the law of the Lord. And after everyone did that, everyone was so depressed because it was so clear that the standard of God was so unattainable for any of them. They were God's people, but they disobeyed him. They ran to other gods. They looked to other sources for their joy, for their hope, and for their protection. They prostitute themselves out to other gods, as the Bible says. And the Israelites in that moment were so aware and then therefore so depressed because of what they're reading. But I love what it says. It says they stop, says, no, 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 don't mourn. Today you're going to buy drink and you're going to buy food and you're going to celebrate for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we think that, and I never really understood that, but you got to understand, what was the joy of the Lord? You and I were the joy that was set before God, that God says, yes, you don't deserve this. Yes, you should still be in captivity, but understand it's good news because Yahweh it has, takes joy when he looks on you and he's brought you back, that there's gladness in the heart of God because his people have returned. Hebrews tells us that this is the same situation with Jesus. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You need to understand that you were the joy of the Lord, that you were the joy that was set before him. What does that mean? That means that if he looks at you and there's joy in his heart, the Bible says that we can now come boldly before the throne of grace. When we are in need, we can ask of what we need. This type of joy is strong because when you're at your end's wits and you're struggling The fact that God looked at you and joy welled up in his heart so much so that he sent his son Jesus to die for you means that you can come and you have access in the Holy Spirit to things that you never had access to in and of yourself. 
The joy of the Lord is our strength means that even though you might have screwed up yesterday and it's a habitual thing, whether you're caught up in sin, whatever it is, that you're well aware that you don't deserve what God has for you, the joy of the Lord tells me that even though I don't deserve it, he still loves me. And because of Jesus, I have access to the Father. This type of joy, it's a different type of joy. In Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We read in Galatians 5 that joy is actually the fruit of the Spirit, that the job of the Holy Spirit is to produce in us this joy that is not weak like happiness, that's dependent on circumstances, but is rooted and grounded in this idea that God could love me. That he chose me. Despite me. How can this joy be available to everyone? It wasn't just for the Israelites in captivity in Nehemiah. It wasn't just for the shepherds. This type of joy is experienced most deeply by those who are most aware that they are undeserving of it. We see that it was good news that would produce great joy. And it was for all people. Not to put them on spot, but my friend Mark's here with me. I remember the day right in that spot there where Mark gave his life to Jesus. We worshiped and we cried together. And I remember meeting with Mark and it was like he was levitating. He was just bouncing. He was so full of joy because he had experienced something that he was well aware he didn't deserve. And I remember talking, and every time we talked, just, just this gratefulness and gratitude that God could love him continue. Again, I'm telling you, if you find it hard to find joy in the season, go find someone who's experienced this love relationship recently for the first time, who's well aware that they couldn't earn it or deserve it. It's contagious. This type of joy, it's for everyone. And it's not just meant that you could have had joy when you gave your life to Jesus in the midst of things that we can still have joy because Jesus still chooses us. See, the good news that the angel of Luke 2 came to announce is cause, is the cause of this great joy. That God came to fix what humanity never could. Friends, Advent and Christmas. Philane and Rohab, you want to come up? This Christmas season reminds us that available to us is a powerful, deep, resilient, and abiding joy that is rooted in three powerful words. Before we get into those words, I, I just... When we talk about joy, and I always said, I just, I, I just feel the need to, one more time, that the joy of the Lord, to be joyful always, to always rejoice, doesn't mean the denial of our circumstances. But I think sometimes if we're honest, when sometimes we're going through something, and, and sometimes it cannot be helpful, we're like, hey, well, you know, rejoice, God's still good. You're like, that's not helpful right now but I know times when I'm struggling I have to remind myself and I don't feel like it all the times and it doesn't mean that if you get to a point where you remind yourself of God's goodness and you feel like the grief lifts a little bit that you won't wake up in the morning and have another wave of it this type of joy though it's going to be available the next morning it's going to be available, and it can bring a strength. It doesn't mean that you're a hoppy poppy with a smile. Sometimes the joy of the Lord is just strength enough to, that you can stand another day. Say, like, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to choose to trust you. Thank you that you're still with me, even though this sucks. Sometimes that's what the joy of the Lord looks like. Sometimes it's choosing not to speak out of your frustration or your anger, but to speak based on the character of who God is. This joy 
If you struggle with this, there's three of the most powerful words that I've come to know that this is grounded in. It's Jesus loves me. Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Like stop, because we can hear this. And again, we can think that we deserve this. We understand that salvation we couldn't do. But along the lines, we've learned how to speak like a, a good church person. And we've learned what not to do. And we don't do the things. I don't sleep around. And we understand the law and what God desires of us. We try and be compassionate. And we can get to a point where the, the fact that Jesus loves me, we can actually subconsciously believe, look, yeah, he should. I'm a good person. I, I, I got five Christmas angels that I pay for. And we can, that the goodness that Jesus could love us begins to fade if we're not careful. But family, I'm asking you this morning to draw your attention to Jesus. I'm saying the Jesus that spoke the world into creation. He is God. He is not man. He is not flawed. He is powerful when he speaks. Universes come out of his mouth. He is the one that sustains. He is the one that spoke into existence. He parted the sea that dead people rise, that the lame walk, that diseases have to bow, that everything will bow at his knees, that the most beautiful sunrise fails in comparison to reflect the true beauty of his creator, that the breath you are breathing is borrowed air from him. This Jesus, who is perfect, who can't be in the presence of sin, this God who always is and always will be, the one who knew what was gonna happen, this Jesus... Like this God, he's magnificent. He's our defender. He's our redeemer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is our peace. He is our provider. He is everywhere. He's omniscient. He's everywhere at once. He's all powerful. There's nothing stronger or more brilliant than Jesus. This is who we're talking about that before he came and the celebration of Christmas, if you were to stand in his presence, you would die immediately because you lack the holiness that is made and necessary to stand in his presence, that we can't look upon his face apart from Jesus because he's too holy, he's too good, he's too great. This Jesus loves and not a weak superficial love. That God has chosen to express himself to me in love that rescues, that lifts up, that is strong, that loves you too much to leave you where you're at, but accepts you where you're at. Not the type of love that is the type of love that confronts. It's the type of love that calls you to a higher standard. It's the type of love that never fails. It's patient. It's kind. It keeps no record of wrong. It is strong that nations rise and fall, but it continues to be steadfast that this God, this perfect, holy, sinless God would choose to limit his interaction with me into the interaction of love. Love. Me. How? Me brokenness. He's given me more than enough reasons to trust him, yet I still choose to trust myself. He's given me more than enough reasons to know he's good, yet I still question it when I can't see it. I'm still prone to want my flesh to win. I'm still prone to fight for my own desires. I know that the Bible says that to follow him means to die to yourself, but every day I resurrect my flesh and my will and my rights and I carry it everywhere I go. I still want to fight for the things that I want. I still want to have a right to, to lash out at people. I still want my own way. I still want to be comfortable, me. And I'm not talking about before I was saved. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about knowing the goodness of God, but yet still struggling to show the kindness and love to other people. I'm talking about asking for repentance for selfishness and then acting in selfishness in the next moment. The more you stop and realize who you are, you know you. And that God who's all-knowing knows every bit of you. 
yet he could still choose to love me. You. Are you kidding me? And if you struggle to find joy, spend some time reflecting on those three words and watch it build this strength inside of you that doesn't deny your reality, but begins to shift and shape it little bit by little bit. If you're here today, you don't know who Jesus is. Can I tell you that the reason we celebrate Christmas is to remind us that Jesus came into the world to save you and me. Nothing else. That God so loved the world that he came as us, as one of us, and he died in our place. But he conquered death. And for whatever crazy reason, he invites you to receive his gift of life and love and closeness and relationship with him. The Bible says that we understand that we believe that. We can say, God, I need you to come and forgive me, a sinner. For most of us in this room who do know Jesus, what I want to do today is to create space for you to reflect on those three words. The good news of the gospel gets better and sweeter the longer I pause to contemplate those three words. The greater Jesus becomes in my conscious mind and the more clearly I see my broken, sinful humanity, the more grateful and joy-filled I become that despite who I am, he still came for me. And this morning he still comes for me and for you. If you're not sure, if you've lost your joy, some of the heroes of the faith in the Bible lost theirs. In Psalms 51, David had put his meaning and his significance in other things than God that led him to a rough spot. Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me, God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Here it is. Restore to me the joy of your salvation that upholds me with a willing spirit. Some of you this morning, that might be all you can pray. I don't want to let you know there's incredible strength in our King Jesus when you come honestly and humbly before him, said, God, would you restore to me the joy that's been lost? And how do you restore that joy is to contemplate his salvation, what he did to rescue your heart. And we're gonna take some time to refocus our attention in our minds, as we just done. And we're gonna open up up here because we're gonna focus our bodies as well and our spirits. I've asked Rohab and Elena to play a song you might recognize, you might not doesn't have a lot of words in it, so it's not distracting. But I'd like to invite you to stand. And we're going to create some time just to focus on Jesus. I want to open up front. You can come, you can kneel. I want to encourage you that sometimes you need to focus your body in a different position so that you can focus your heart and your spirit and your mind as well. And they're going to play. And all I simply want you to do, if you don't have joy, if you're feeling the lack of joy in your life, simply pray Psalms 51, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. If you're not sure what to pray, just, just begin to contemplate the fact that God loves you. So Jesus, we thank you that the good news proclaimed in Luke 2 still good news today, which means great joy is still available for us today as we contemplate, as we thank you, as we stop and focus on your goodness and your greatness.
In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to invite you up. Find a place. Find the back of the gym if you need to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask that maybe not in the back because there are some angels back there if you need to do that, but I was really praying because I know that if you're not feeling joy in this moment, the temptation is going to be to beeline out that door. And if you do, no one's judging. Again, there's lots of reasons, so don't be looking. But I really felt I was praying that the Lord had joy for someone who would come to the conclusion that now wasn't just the time for joy. I'm not sure who you are, but I've been praying for you. So come, come to the front. Service is done. You have 15, 20 minutes if you want up here. They're gonna sing. Take some time to ask the Lord to renew to you the joy of your salvation. Come up to the front, let's worship. Let's contemplate the Lord that he loves us. More than anything 
Jesus, we thank you that you love us. God, that's enough for me. God, that you actually desire to be with us. So God, I pray throughout the rest of today and as we leave this place, God, that the wonder that you could love me would be the foundation of my emotions, of how I walk and how I talk. God, we thank you. The good news that you came to us has ramifications for today that you still choose us. We love you. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.